I'll, I'll, I'll say it up front. You might find this morning challenging. But we need to be challenged. Um, because we need to see more of what God can do in our lives. And time is short to do that. And it's easy to drift from week to week, isn't it? And um, not move forward. So I'm just going to pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you gave us your word so that we would know how to follow you. And I pray that we would be a people who take your word and not just hear it, but be doers of that word. So that we might see what you have promised we would see. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this week I did something I've never done before. I, uh, I was asked uh, by a well-known ministry uh, to do an online healing meeting for their European partners. And I had no clue how to do that. As in, so I said, I said yes, because, you know, it's kind of an honor to be invited. But I'd never done that before. You know, normally when you pay for healing, you lay hands on people or you, you give them a hug or whatever. And I'm thinking, how do you do, how do, you do this? And, and so it was a real interesting experience. And uh, there was about 100 people on this, this screen, you know, when you get the Zoom screen and you, you go through the pages, there's about 100 people on. And uh, so I did, I did a bit of teaching. And then um, what I did is I had a few words, you know, I'd asked God before what he wanted me to identify. So I, I prayed for those things uh, directly. And, and the really exciting thing about these online meetings is uh, whatever technology they've got, you can see everybody's comments coming in and people are commenting and so on. And uh, so we were praying for, uh, well, a couple of them were like circulatory problems in the legs. They, they had like problem feeling at their extremities and uh, it was cold in, at the bottom of their legs and so on. And the other one was about a heart, you know, just two examples, a heart that was in, I think they call it arrhythmia, irregular heartbeat. And uh, so we I just prayed through the screen. And, and what I've been talking about was Jesus when he said, when the centurion came to him and wanted Jesus to go with him to heal his servant. And uh, if you know the story, the centurion says, you don't need to know that because you've, you've got the authority, you know, you've, you've, you can do that. I understand how authority works. And Jesus says, go and your servant be healed. And he is healed. And Jesus never, didn't go anywhere near him. You know, he was, he was a good distance off. And, and so I, I thought, right, I'll, I'll pray at this, to this screen and see, you know, we, we'll see this. So I'm, I'm praying and I pray for these two things directly. And it was amazing because people were going, as, each, as we gave the words on, people were going, that's me, that's me, that's me. And then just like there was this uh, kind of, I don't know how you get emojis on these screens, but there was this loads of emojis. And this lady said, my legs are on fire. I, I'm the circulator, but my legs are on fire. My legs are on fire. And then this other guy says, I, I've got the heart. And it's kind of like I've got heat all through my chest. And 
And you know, God is such a good God that we, we need to raise our expectations of what he's going to do. You know, and I'm not sure, for me even, whether I really rise to the challenge of what God says in his word. You know, the, the, I, I wrote down a couple of things here for, for us to kind of just think about. What are you expecting for yourself and of yourself in your walk with God? What are you expecting for yourself and of yourself in your walk with God? What, what are we expecting as a church in our walk with God? And then this question came to me, have our expectations lowered over time? You see, I, I was reading an article uh, this week by a guy that comments on, on churches and church trends. And, and what he was commenting on was how difficult it is to uh, do, uh, for, for churches to do what they've done in the past because the body of Christ is generally less committed. And it, that's not just a phenomenon in the US where he is, but it's a phenomenon across the, the developed world. And whilst it's true, so the, what he was talking about, how do you respond to that? And, and my, my thought on that, I don't really want to respond to that because I don't, I don't want that to be where we settle. I, I, you know, when, when you accommodate low commitment, you end up with less commitment. What Jesus does, he calls us, and it hasn't changed for 2,000 years, he calls us to follow him. So th th this question of what am I expecting and what am I expecting uh, for the church and what am I expecting God to do in our midst, it needs to start to rise again, not lower. And there's the challenge. And, and to do that, then we have to actually take God's word seriously and, and do it. Now, I know we all know that, but the question is, and, and it's a question I ask myself, is do I do it to the extent that the words actually say? Or is what I do is that I know what the words say, but I don't actually do it? I kind of do it sometimes. And so that's, that's really the challenge that, that I'm putting out there this morning. So I, I'm going to take a passage that some of you might be familiar with. You certainly be familiar with the last, verses of the passage, last verse of the passage, which he says, which is about how we get saved, which is if you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. And so... But before that, there's a really strange thing that, that Paul says. So this is Romans chapter 10. And I'm just, just going to talk about these verses this morning. And so it's, it starts like this. And this is verses 6 and 7. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Now, 
that's, that's a strange thing. I'll explain it and unpack it in a minute. But I don't want you to concentrate on uh, those little bits in brackets or whatever just at the moment. What I want you to see is this. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Because remember, we're trying to raise to what God's word says. And, and the emphasis of this passage is faith. Faith that says, faith that, that, that God responds to. But he also is emphasizing that you can't separate faith from speaking. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. And then here's what I find really interesting. It starts with, don't say. Say not. So don't say these things. It starts with what you don't say. Now, we can read a passage like that and go, well, it's a bit weird, all that ascending and descending of Jesus, and miss the point that there is a really clear statement here that faith goes with speaking and there are things that you don't say. Now, do you see where that's... I'm not sure why I'm rattling. Is it me rattling or one of those microphones? That's why this is challenging, because if we take that seriously, we have to realize that if this is going to work in the supernatural way that we talked about last week, supernatural answers for, for natural problems, then we're going to have to live in this way. And that means there's going to be stuff we don't say. And the reality of this is that there's two things that will change your outcome. When you pray, you remember we've just finished talking about how you pray to get results? There's two things that are going to change your outcome, and, and they're these. Stop saying the wrong thing and start saying what God says. Stop saying the wrong thing and start saying what God says. Now, we all, we, we're nodding, like Kwame's nodding like mad. I mean, we get that, don't we? But what? When I listen to myself and when I listen to other believers, that is not what we are doing. It really isn't. We're saying all the stuff we shouldn't be saying. And that produces something. So if we want to change our outcomes, if you're going through stuff at the moment and that needs resolving, you're going to have to change what you do. You can rely on a natural solution popping up for, by chance, or you can have a supernatural solution to that natural problem by doing what God asks us. And to do that, we've got to get a handle on some of the, This is Christianity 101, but it's Christianity 101 that's got forgotten. And it says this, stop saying the wrong thing, start saying what God says. And, and that follows from something that's equally important which is stop believing the wrong things and start believing what God says. So if God's saying to us there's things that we don't say, we're not going to stop saying them. And if he's saying the, the things that we do say, we've got to start saying those things. Yeah? Would you, do you get this? I'm trying to, uh, it's going to be kind of a teaching thing, this, but I'm trying to, going to, going to try and make it simple. So, there's things you don't say and things you do say, and we're going to find out what they are and how to go about that. 
Now, why is that important? It's important because in this world we live in, in this kind of material world, with all its continuous urgent input to our senses from our phones and iPads and advertising hoardings and all the rest of it, it's so easy to slip into walking by what we see and walking by what we feel and walking by what we hear. And all we've got to do for that to occur is nothing. So all we've got to do is just wake up, think about how we're feeling, think about what we see, thinking about what we've heard, thinking about what people have said. And if you don't stop it, you'll end up believing the wrong things and seeing the wrong things. So we're in, a, we're in a fight that the Bible calls the fight of faith. Now, go with me just briefly to, to another passage. And it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 18. And again, this is really kind of direct if we're going to take this seriously and live like Jesus wants us to live. And it says this, While we do not look at the things which are seen... But we do look at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, and the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, notice again, it starts with what? What you don't do. And what's it telling you to not do? Not look at the things which are seen. So not focus on those, not concentrate on those, not make them the, the, your vision, not mull over them, not go over them. But what is it that we do do in reality right now? We look at all that, don't we? And yet, clearly, it doesn't work. Because Paul's telling us there, do, don't do this. Don't look at the things which are seen. I'm going to come on to like, how do you do that in a minute. But you've got to, we've got to stop doing the wrong thing and replace it with the right thing. That's, that's how change in, in our lives occurs. That's how change in our outcome occurs. Stop doing the wrong thing. Start doing the right thing. And that's not natural for the flesh, but it is what most people do. Most people do the wrong thing. And then they get the wrong outcomes and wonder why they're not seeing what they think God should be doing in their life. And the truth is that we're supposed to live radically different from people who are non-believers. And we will live radically different from non-believers if we practice what it says in the Word of God. And in this verse, Paul says, this is why you don't do those things. Because it's a waste of time. You don't do those things because it's a waste of time. And energy, focusing on what you see, because the things around you are always changing. And so, if you focus on all those things around you, you just end up chasing stuff all over the place, exhausting yourself mentally, physically, and, and in every way there is. 
So if I'm anxious, so these are kind of health warnings. If I'm anxious, if I'm worrying, if I'm waking up, like I'm, I'm dwelling on stuff all, all, all night and, and ups, I'm, I'm upset by what I'm seeing, then I'm allowing myself, according to Paul and according to Jesus, to be misled. Have you, have you thought about that? Because what you're doing is you're observing everything that the enemy and the world full of flesh is doing in the world. And, and those things are, are, are always changing and, and they're dragging you along. And, and we end up with believers just getting pushed around because we're responding like everybody else in the world and in the church. And so we need to change what we're doing Stop doing some things and start doing some other things. You see, the world is constantly changing, but what God has said is more permanent than the ground you're standing on. What is in here is not changing. But what does change is whether we pay attention to what's in here and do what's in here, or we get distracted by the world. And as believers, we live in this situation where there's, a, there's, there's kind of a war for what we'll follow, what, 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 what determines our lives. And, and because we we kind of not really careful to observe these things, many believers end up blaming God or blaming church because they haven't got what they want in their lives. When in reality, we're not doing the things that we need to do, and we haven't stopped doing the things that we're not supposed to do. Now, it's really hard to look at the th stop looking at the things that are seen and start looking at the things that are unseen, isn't it? So we need to, to learn how to do that. But let me, let me put this out there. If I'm looking at what he said and I'm focusing on what he said, and I'm thinking about what he said, and I'm saying what he said, then I'm on rock-solid ground that I can build my life on. So if I'm feeling that I don't have that foundation in my life, I need to put it there. And, and then, then I would, because I need to be that person that's say, saying what he said, talking about what he said, focusing on what he said, and doing what he said. And if I'll do that, my life, however much there's change going on around me, however many shocks to the system, however many wars, however many economic crises, however many climate problems, whatever, I'm on solid ground. And so I am moved by it less and less. Now, I, if, I, if you're anything like me, you would really just like everything to be really simple, and you say a prayer, and you get your answers immediately. And when that doesn't happen, you get annoyed with God. But we've just generally, in this room, all admitted that we don't do what God asks us to do to see the answers we need to see, which is to don't say some stuff and do say some other stuff. To stop believing some stuff and start believing some other stuff. So we, we need to make that, that move. 
There's a, another passage in Second uh, Corinthians where Paul says, we walk by faith and not by sight. That, that's, that's how we're meant to live as believers, walking by faith and not by sight. What you see will change when you walk by faith and not by sight. So what you don't do is walk and live and be influenced by sight. You don't let your life be determined by what you see, hear, and feel. But there's this like pull to walk by sight, isn't there? Why? Because in this material world we live in, there's this pressure to be moved by sight and pressure to be moved by feelings. One of the things I've noticed as I've kind of progressed through the years is how much more people just talk about feelings and are moved by feelings and focus on feelings than they ever did. Even British people who are meant to be stiff upper lip are focusing on feelings. And in some ways you go, well, that's not a bad thing because at least we're talking about it. Well, yeah, but we've been moved by it and we're making it everything And we're getting offended with all sorts of stuff and upset with all sorts of stuff. And we're getting to the point where you can't say anything to anybody now without upsetting somebody else's feelings. Because we're moved by feelings. We're getting further and further away from the gospel. And, And when Jesus said, follow me, he meant, follow me. He didn't mean follow your feelings. Be paralyzed by your feelings. Be so offended by something that you you fester for 20 years on it. He said, follow me. And don't be moved by that. Be, Be moved by every word that proceeds from God's mouth. Now let's go back to my little healing session that I did earlier in the week. The the online healing. Because when you put this into that sort of context, it's actually easier. You, you, you're in the perfect situation at the moment because you're in church. So for the, for the next X minutes, you feel a responsibility to focus something on God. And, and it's okay, you know, it's... It's easy to think big and think you're okay and think you'll do this when you're in church. Would you agree? Because we, we go out of church with all sorts of resolutions and yet we don't do it. Worse still, we don't do it by the time we've got to the coffee table. And, and there's something about us just likes to moan and and talk about all, all the things that have gone wrong. And yet, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, don't say. Paul in Romans says, don't say. Paul in Corinthians says, don't say. Right. 
So when you get when we get hit with some report, like the, the people that were on this healing meeting, some of them have got really bad reports from their doctors. And some of us have experienced really horrible events in our lives. Like this just yesterday we we found out that uh, King, our spiritual son, his dad died yesterday. So, you know, you get hit by events. And so you, you get challenges. We all get these challenges and we all get these reports. And, and those things will always come because we live in a fallen world full of sickness and death and full of people who aren't very nice, and full of an enemy who wants to see, steal, kill, and destroy. So those things will always come. And what, what Paul is saying is, but you don't have to let them dictate to you the rest of your life. And you, do, you, don't, the, the, you have to decide how you're going to respond when those things come. Because the temptation will be to focus on those things and if you're focusing on those things, by the time you finish focusing on one, and you're six, 12 months on, and another one's come along, and then you're six, 12 months on, and, and then we go, but this Christianity is not working for me. Because we're focusing on the things that are happening to us instead of the rock that we're meant to be standing on. So we've got to understand that walking by faith involves choices. And it's choices every day, and we've got to make the right choices. And the choice is what you don't look at and don't say, and what you do look at and do say. It's a basic choice, Christianity 101. What you don't look at and don't say, and what you do look at and do say. So if you, if you want to be a faith person, if you want to live by faith, there's got to be some things that you're not going to say and some things that you are going to say irrespective of events in your life. Otherwise, we're just like unbelievers. And we'll get the same results as unbelievers, which are by chance but chance where the odds are stacked against you. I was uh, talking about this topic quite a while ago now, and it was in a different setting to this. And somebody said to me, so you're one of those crazy name it and claim it people. Because that sounds a bit like it, doesn't it? I, I, I've got to, got to say it. You're one of those crazy name it and claim it people. Well, my answer to that is yes and no. Because I'm not crazy. I'm doing, yeah, Paul's disagreeing with that one. I'm doing what the word says. And the reality is, the problem with something and, and why people like throw that one out, the name it and claim it, or there's a better one, isn't it? Blab it and grab it. And, and the, the problem with that is that we can only claim things that God promises in his word. 
And we get in trouble when we start using that to claim things that aren't in his word. And he hasn't promised us. He hasn't promised us freedom from persecution. He hasn't promised us a world that's going to get better. He hasn't promised us souls that will just mysteriously wander into the kingdom if we won't share the gospel. He hasn't promised those things. He hasn't promised, like, make my life better, God. He said, basically, if you follow me, you'll get blessed, but persecutions will come with those blessings. So there's things that God hasn't promised. He hasn't, he ha there's things that God says aren't okay. So you can't name and claim them or blab and grab them. So it's a yes and no. Because God operates, by, as we've been talking about, operates by covenant, he operates by promises, and there's things that Jesus has paid for, for us to have. And they're the things that I'm going to have in my life, and they're the things that I'm going to claim, because Jesus paid for them for me. And, and you know, when people say things like, you're a, you're a blab it and grab it, or name it and claim it person, I used to think, I used to kind of go into my shell, but now I don't. Now I think, how dare you? How dare you make fun of what God says in his word when he says the things you don't say and things you do say? So I'm going to not say what I can see in front of me. I'm going to say what the promises of God say is mine until I see that in my life. So how dare you make fun of God and make it so? It's like people go, well, are you a happy, clappy church? Well, who wants to be a miserable church? Who wants to be an unhappy church? It's pathetic. You know, we, we take so much and go, oh, yeah. And, it, and it, over time, it kind of dulls you down and backs you into a corner. And you stop doing some things you need to do. And we need to start speaking our faith. We need to worship God like we've got nothing left. And I'm going like, how dare you laugh at what God says to do? But I always carry this little bit of misgiving in my heart because we're just doing the same thing. We, we need to change. So that they go like, how did that happen? How did, how did that lady who I'd never met on the other side of a screen, I'll never see her again, how did God touch her and deal with all that circulatory stuff? How did, how did he do that? And, and we need the world asking those questions. But we won't have the world asking those questions if we say the wrong things and believe the wrong things. We've, the, the stuff we've got to not say and stuff that we have to say. And, you know, people will say, well, you know, ask this question, like, so why, why do you have to speak? And why do you have to believe? Can't we just pray? And my answer to that is, I don't know. I don't know why it's that way. I don't know why God said we had to speak. You know, these people go, I can worship God without opening my mouth. And I get all that, your life is worship and all that sort of stuff. I'm talking about some worship or praise or whatever. No, you can't. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm quiet and content. No, you're not. God said 
high praises. He, he said we will shout it out. He said when you pray, speak it out. And, and the question is, why do you have to do that? Because, you know, you might be quiet and conservative. And like, when I'm not up here, I'm probably the biggest introvert in the room. So if I ignore you when I've sat down from here, that's because I'm not up here anymore, because I'm an introvert. And I don't like speaking things out normally. But why does it, be, why does it have to be like that? And I don't know. All my responses, because God says it's like that. He designed it like that. Why did he design it like that? Well, now you're asking me to be God because I don't know why he designed it like that because I'm not God. But what I can tell you is right from verse 1 of Genesis, that's what God himself does. He believes, he exercises faith, and he speaks. So if he spoke the universe into existence, the least we could do is speak. When he says, don't say and do say. So when he says, don't say, we don't speak. And when he says, do say, we do speak. And, and we do it because that's the way it works. It's like saying, like, how does... I really like that sound desk to work with no electric. Well, it doesn't. Well, why doesn't it? Because that's the way it works. And it's the same faith speaks. Faith and speaking are indelibly connected. So if what is coming out of our mouth all the time is the wisdom of the world and the way of the world and how we feel and what we see and what other people have said and the bad report, that's what we'll get. But if we say what God's word says, that's what we get. So it's really important to put the two together. And then you get this question like, that sounds really hard. How am I supposed to do that? Because I can't even get as far as the coffee table this morning without coming out with a load of stuff I shouldn't say. Is my acknowledgement, yes, it's hard, but it's also vital because that's how it works. And it's possible because we can choose to do it. Because as a believer, we were born again and we have the Holy Spirit, who is one with our spirit, who's helping us do this. So what it comes down to is not something that's hard. It comes down to something that's a choice intentionally. Something that we decide we're going to do. And so we need to keep making that choice until we change from what we're doing, which we shouldn't be doing, and do what we should do. It takes time, it takes effort, and it takes decisions from us. Now, here's why that's, that's so important. Because our words, what we speak, underpin, sorry, what... Our words reinforce what we believe in our heart. And our heart underpins our words. And, it, and it's, it's kind of a spiral. 
So what we want to do is reverse a negative spiral and create a positive spiral. So the more we say what we should say, and the more, the more we'll believe what we should believe, the less we say what we should say, and we start saying, the th and, and we carry on saying the things we don't say, we'll believe less and less. And a really good test to determine where we are is to listen to yourself for the next 10 minutes after I've finished. Because we just go around doing the things that Paul tells us don't say. Right, so let's go back to that passage and I'll explain the mysterious stuff in it because you, you kind of like to know that and I like to know that. So, going back to Romans 10, 6 and 7, let's, let's, I don't think I've got it on the slide again, but let's read it again. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. So what should, what don't you say? And in that verse it said, don't say this. Who shall ascend into heaven to bring Christ down, yeah? So we don't say that. Now, the thing is, well, we're not really understanding what that's talking about. Why shouldn't you say that? And then in verse 8, it goes on and it says this, but what does it say? That the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith which we preach. So verse 8 tells us what we should say. So the first two verses tells us don't say this. And verse 8 says, say this. So what, what's, what's all that about? What he's saying is this. Quit looking all the way to heaven and trying to find some experience you can't attain by your own effort. Stop, look, stop looking up there for something and trying to get God to move. Stop doing that. And then he says, quit looking back for us. Quit looking back and quit looking at wisdom that's fueled by the enemy. I'll explain that in a minute. Let me just say that slightly different. You're not trying to climb or get to heaven or open heaven up to get a fresh work or achieve by your own strength the past work of Jesus. You can't work that way. Now, a lot of Christians try and work that way. They try and get God to do something. He's not going to answer because he's already done it. He's, you're not going to get Jesus to come back down again, nor, nor are you going to get him to rise from the dead again. They're, they're done. And as a result of that, when we pray asking God to do something that he's already done, he's going, I can't do it again. So when we say, open heaven, Lord, he's saying, it's open. And you can come boldly to the throne of mercy and grace and receive mercy and receive grace. So, so that's futile praying. And, and if we're waiting for that to happen, it's not going to happen. 
So what's he saying? What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. So he's saying the answer to the problems, the way to access the fullness of salvation, which isn't just like being born again or forgiving your sins, it's being made whole, it's been set free, it's been uh, provided for, it's been delivered, and ultimately it's Jesus is coming back for you. So that's the fullness of salvation. In order to, to see that, the answer is not by trying to get heaven to open again or trying to earn and repeat what Jesus did in dying for you and defeating the enemy and taking back the authority that Adam lost and, and taking that back. The answer's not there. The answer is under your nose. It's in your mouth and in your heart. So don't say those things. Don't engage with those things. But the other part of that is what he's also saying is your answer that you need is not some unobtainable distance away from you. It's not something that's out there that you'll never get to. It's really, really close. It's believing and speaking. Let's go on to verse 9. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Now, that's the verse we all know out of this passage, or most of us know in, in this context. That's how you became a Christian. You believed that if you made Jesus Lord of your life and asked forgiveness for your sins, you would be saved. And you said it. You said a prayer. And then you told other people you said the prayer. That's how you got saved. But that works for everything. That works for everything in the Christian life. Here's a challenge. Like, if you're not willing to boldly and audibly say the things that God has said, then you don't believe it enough. Have you ever thought about that? And often we don't say things that we should say and would change lives and bring people into the kingdom because we don't believe it enough ourselves. And, and so we go, oh, I don't want to say anything in case I offend somebody. No, this is the power of God to save lives from eternal distance from, uh, from him and punishment. This is the power. To overcome death. And, and we're not saying it because we don't believe it enough. Is there any other way by which anyone can be saved than doing this? And yet we're afraid to tell people. If we really believed that the world around us, everybody out there, is distance from God, unreconciled from God, and facing punishment for their own sins, we would say it. But we don't really believe it 
urgent. And so we, what we do? We follow our feelings. And our feelings say, you don't want to do that. They won't like it. They'll reject you. They won't listen. You'll embarrass them. You'll embarrass yourself. You'll lose all your friends. Let me just say that. You'll lose all your friends. I don't have to worry about that at all. Not because I've got no friends. Roger's my buddy. Paul's my buddy. Esther quite likes me, you know. We're friends. I've got loads of friends in this room, but that's not the point. My point is if I had no friends whatsoever and I lost all my friends in this world, there's billions and billions of souls in heaven that are going to be my friends for eternity. And a lot of those will be in heaven and in there for eternity because I opened my mouth losing my other friends. And Jesus says, you get the reward for that. Let's wrap this up. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So that word unto, which is in there twice, you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Next verse. Where's the next verse? Oh. With the heart one believes unto and confession unto. So those two elements, belief and speaking, unto. Would you, do you agree? That's what it says. Now, that word unto isn't just like put in there for convenience. There's actually a Greek word that's there. And that Greek word means that which transitions and turns what was before. That's which transitions and turns what before. In other words, what it's saying, those two things change things. They take what is seen and replace it with what was previously unseen. Supernatural solutions to natural problems. So we believe unto. The, 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 the word could equally be translated, shall be. So you believe and righteousness shall be. You speak and salvation shall be. It's what makes it happen. Why is it like that? Well, go back to my earlier comment. That's just the way God made it. So if you're looking for results, you should believe, be believing unto and confessing unto those results. Why is that important? And this is, I'll, I'll wrap it all up now. Why is all this important? Because that's the key that we ignore. It, and, and we need to make some choices around. And we think we believe, but we don't. But listen to your mouth, and that will tell you what is in your heart, what you really believe. And a number of times you, you, you hear people, and they'll come for prayer for something, and by, by the time they're 10 yards away, they're already saying the total opposite to what they've just received prayer for. You see, it's, it's important because every one of us at some point is going to be faced with a report 
and a set of results that we don't like. I went for my first ever over 60s health check this week. And I was kind of like, so you get a report of results. Only now they, they text you the results, which is a bit disappointing. I wanted one of those bits of paper, but they just text you. Anyway, so there's some things on there that I would prefer were a bit lower. So I might have to modify some things and eat a bit less cheese and a bit less chocolate. And sadly, some green stuff, which... But we've always, at some point, we, we will get results which are the opposite of what we want. And if we say, oh, what am I going to do? That's the end of me. What is terrible. I'm going to die. I'm going to fail. I'm going to go bankrupt. If we say that, that's what we really believe. Somehow our belief is connected to our speaker. But you can reverse it by connecting your speaker to God's words. Though, if we say in those things, those results are going to stay. So what do you do? Well, if you kind of like, just if you were that person that, whose legs felt like they were on fire after they'd been paid for, you don't then go off that line and say, but it still isn't perfect. You thank God for what you're receiving, and you say, I'm believing that I'll see the fullness of his promises right now in my body. And I'm going to stand for those promises until I see them 100%. And when somebody says, how are you feeling? You say, well, the symptoms haven't entirely gone, but my God is in the process of healing me because I believed and I spoke. And so we connect what we say to what we believe. And that's, when you get those bad reports, you need to be able to do this in order to change the result on the report. I guess we all wish we could go back to school and change some of the results we had. But when you get the bad report about your finances or your health or, or whatever, or you, something that's going on in your family, then rather than just assume that's it, you start believing what God says and what his promises say, and you speak those promises. And when you do that, it is unto. It turns the situation around. See, walking by sight would look like you going around and saying, uh, talking about how you feel, how it looks. Why does it always happen to me? Why is, it, why is this always happening in my family? Doesn't God care? That's a stupid question. He died for you on a cross. Of course he cares. But that's because we're talking about our feeling. We're feeling at that moment like he doesn't care. But he does. So we say, I know my God cares. I know my God has promised me that I will have a long life and be satisfied. I know I'm going to live a long time. 
because God's words promised me that. So I'm going to, I'm going to believe I'm going to live a long time. I'm going to say I'm going to live a long time. And this result will pass. By, by the way, mine's not that bad. I'm just using it as an example. So you don't need to worry. I'm not going to keel over at any moment. I'm going to live. I'm going to have a long life and be satisfied. If Jesus doesn't come back before I go, I'm going to stick in around for a long time yet. So you're going to put up with me. But I'm hoping to stick around long enough to do the floating to the air thing like you know I am. You know, you have to resist. You've got to say, no, I'm not going to die. No, this isn't going to happen to me. No, I'm not destined to live with this for the rest of my life. No, I'm not going to go bankrupt. No, I'm not going to fail at what God gave me to do. So how do you get from where you are unto where you need to be? Well, the first thing we've got to do is stop saying the wrong things and start saying the right things. Wait a minute. You see, God, going back to those earlier verses, God will answer prayer asking him to do again what he's already done. So when Jesus paid for all these things for you, he asked you to believe it and speak it. He didn't ask you to go to God and get him to try and do it again. And God's trying to get some stuff to us right now that he wants to get to us right now. And we're doing the other stuff. And we're saying the other stuff. And he can't get it to us. So we need to start saying the right stuff so he can get it to us. So the summary of all this, we've got to start doing what he says and not do what he says not to do. Stop doing the wrong thing, replace it with the right thing. Now, all of that, you know, that's not, that's the ending, but that's not a big ending. If you want me to whip you up to something, you don't get that this week. What you get is we've got to do this stuff. This isn't an emotional response thing. This is, I need to do this stuff. And when we do this stuff, the results will be different. Come on, Elliot. Where's the microphone? Yeah, but it doesn't get recorded. This happened this week after what Mark said last week. Last week, Mark had us all stand up and say something about what was bothering us, what a need we had. And I said, what about my legs, God? Because my legs have been so weak for a long time. And I went to the physio and the physio told me why. I came out of there and in, this, in the waiting room, there was a friend who also confirmed what the physio had said and uh, Website that I'm following also said the same, and I thought, now what do I do? I'm really fed up with this. And God said, what did Mark say on Sunday? That if you pray and you ask God for something, you believe it. 
So it's following on to what he's, Mark is saying now. And so I said, God, I am praying that you will make my legs better. You will make them stronger. You will make them whole and as they should be. And I believe it. And God said, and why have you been believing the other thing? That they won't get better. That you've got to do something. And he said, what you need to do, remember I'm a nurse. Nurses and doctors are really challenged by this because we know so much about the body going wrong. And he said, repent. Repent of what you are believing. Pray and ask me. And do you know my legs have been better since? Amen. Brilliant. Any more, anybody else got a quick testimony? You want to share along those lines? No? Cool. Let's stand. Father, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for all your goodness, that you are a God who longs to get good things to us. We also thank you, Lord, that you have actually told us the way to access those good things. And so, Lord, we pray for each and every one of us that we would be a people who will make the choice to stop saying some things and stop doing some things and start saying some things and start believing some good things. Lord, help us to make that decision right now that that's where we're going to go from here. Help us to raise our expectation. What we're expecting of ourselves, what we're expecting of ourselves as part of this body and what we're expecting you to do amongst us. Lord, let us be a people that walk by faith and not by sight. That do what you tell us to do. And see what you say is ours. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.